Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Is it well with your soul today? Most of you know the story behind that hymn. Horatio Spatterford was... uh, did real estate in Chicago, and uh, you all know the story about Mrs. O'Leary's cow. They lost vast holdings in that fire, and they were in the process of trying to rebuild their lives, and they decided to take some, some time off. They were, they were faithful, faithful believers, and, and at the time, there was some pretty exciting stuff happening over in England. And so they decided that as a family, they would go over to England to help with the evangelistic crusades that were taking place under George Whitfield. A last-minute business uh, obligation uh, kept Horatio from getting on board that ship. He sent his wife and four daughters on ahead. And the ship went down. He got a telegram from his wife. All is lost. I alone survived. Of course, he took the next ship available. And when they, when they reached the area where the ship had gone down, the captain of the ship said, this is where we think your family went down. And he sat down at that moment in that spot, and he wrote that hymn. It is well with my soul. Can you imagine experiencing such loss of, of, of fortune and family and still be able to, to say those words with conviction? It is well with my soul. It speaks of an underlying understanding of the sovereignty of God. That nothing happens apart from God's will. I get it. That raises all kinds of questions. And we can have these conversations from now until Christ comes back. And we will never fully comprehend the height and the breadth and the length and the depth of God's love for us. I barely got through that prayer. My heart aches for what's going on, especially in Afghanistan today. 13 U.S. service members, average age 22. And not to mention the other 170. The loss of life and yeah, there's going to probably be more. And, and I know some of you are angry with what's going on over there. 
because I know that there are people here right now in this sanctuary and people who are listening to me who invested personally. And they're hurting. And we wonder where God is in all of this. And I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you exactly what God is doing and how all of this is going to play out. But I don't know the future. But I do know who holds the future. And if ever, if ever there was a time for us to take a step back and double down on what we believe and invest in God's kingdom, this is that time. And it cannot be done without wisdom. Oh, so many mistakes. So many mistakes. But those of you who have been around for a while, you know that I love to hand out these little cards. And once upon a time, I handed out little cards to you all with the 10 fundamental lessons of history. 10 fundamental lessons of history from Dr. Rufus Fears, who was at the University of Oklahoma. He's he's passed away now. But these were the... taped here inside my Bible. So it's not, I'm not reading from the Bible. This is, but 10 things, 10 fundamental lessons to learn from history. Number one, we all know it. We do not learn from history. Number two, science and technology do not make us immune to the laws of history. Oh, we think we are so much smarter than those who have lived before us. I... You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for, in, in, when we're in eternity, to, to roam the halls of the Alexandria Library. <laughs> what wisdom was destroyed when that library burnt down? Oh, my gosh. Wisdom of the ages. We think because We've conquered a few known mountains, and now we walk around with, with uh, uh, pocket computers that allow us to, uh, to have the world's information at our fingertips that we're smarter than all the other generations that ever lived. I'm afraid not. Science and technology do not make us immune from the history, laws of history. Number three, and this one is so important, because this, I think, is missed on a lot of North Americans Freedom is not a universal value. It's not. Freedom is not a universal value. Number four, power is. Power is a universal value. Number five, the Middle East is the crucible of conflict and the graveyard of empires. Number six, the United States shares the destinies of the great democracies and republics of the, and the superpowers of the past. Number seven, along with the lust for power, religion and spirituality 
are the most profound motivators in human history. Number eight, great nations rise and fall because of human decisions made by individual leaders. Number nine, the statesman is distinguished from a mere politician by four qualities, a bedrock of principles, a moral compass, a vision, and the ability to create consensus to achieve that vision. Oh, that we might pray to raise up statesmen in our time. We have enough politicians. And last but not least, throughout its history, the United States has chartered a unique role in history. Lessons to learn. There was a fascinating article in a Wall Street Journal uh, about, uh, about a week ago. On, on, on Fridays, there's a, in, the, in the opinion section, there's always a, 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 a column called Houses of Worship, and it covers all kinds of different things. But uh, this one last Friday I thought was particularly uh, noteworthy. I want to share just a little bit of it with you. The Unconquerable Islamic World is the title of the article. Historians, soldiers, and politicians will debate for decades the particulars of what went wrong during America's intervention in Afghanistan. But a simple truth has been apparent for years. We Westerners failed not for lack of effort, but because military and economic power alone cannot change the Islamic world in a, a lasting way. The U.S.-led coalition arrived in South Asia 20 years ago seeking justice after 9-11. Soon we turned into apostles of universal civilization. The idea that human beings everywhere would make the same basic decisions we made in building political community. We set out to establish a liberal democratic state, not realizing that politics lie downstream of culture and culture downstream of religion. It never occurred to us that what America, it never occurred to us that America was what it was because of Christianity and Afghanistan was what it was because of Islam. So where do we go? Where do we find truth and wisdom? Today we need wisdom more than ever. Well, fortunately for us, we have a book in the Bible that will guide us to this. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to turn to the third chapter of the book of James. Do you know, James is known as the wisdom literature of the New Testament. It's also, it's, uh, it's, it's often associated uh, with, the, uh, with the book of Proverbs. Uh, you know, hang out in Proverbs for a while. You want some wisdom. Uh, Ken read some for us today and and. and if my wife were here, she would say, note that wisdom is referred to in a feminine voice there, pastor. Uh, so wisdom in, yeah, wi yeah. wisdom, the wisdom literature of Proverbs, the wisdom literature of Job. I mean, Job is some tough slugging. 
I mean, I get it. That's a, that's a, it's a tough book to read through. And, uh, 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 but there's wisdom in there. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, uh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, uh, written by Solomon, the wisest person to, to ever live. And, and, and James is rolled into that category of the wisdom literature of the Bible. And as we've talked about this, James, we know, is the brother, half-brother of Jesus, was elevated to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Peter, John, they turned, down the, they turned it down. They said, no, enough has been given to us. We have other work to do. And so uh, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, ele- was elevated to that position. Who, G- who you, you, you got to figure that um, that that James encountered his brother post resurrection and said something along the lines of rats he <laughs> he really he really is the messiah uh, uh, but he's thoroughly jewish and he's and he's overseen a thoroughly jewish uh, sect of followers called the way and they're wrestling with how it is we live in accordance with all of our wonderful traditions as we invite these ragtag Gentiles into the group with grace and mercy and kindness. How do, we, how do we do all this and stay true to the moral principles upon which we have been established for these past 1,500 years? James, the book of James, I suggest to us is our midterm exam. It helps us to take uh, a stock of where we are. Are we mere hearers of the word or are we doers of the word? It's not enough. It's not enough to do without hearing. And it's not enough to hear without doing. It's got to come together. And James, he speaks with such passion. And last week, we talked about the dangers of being teachers, knowing that as such, we shall incur a more strict judgment. And I kind of turned that on you a little bit and said, you share in some of this danger because as, as, as I've got to be a good teacher, you've got to be a good listener. And you've got, to, you've got to search the scriptures to make sure that what I'm telling you is true. And if, and if, you're, if, you're, if, if you hear something and you say, well, pastor, that's like... You know, you're full of baloney sausage. Come and talk to me. But come and talk to me with Scripture in hand. Because, no offense, I don't care about your opinion. God doesn't care about my opinion. Let's settle for God's truth. Well, you know, you can't really understand God's, God's word. It's, it's, it's too hard. Do you know this is written at, a, at an eighth grade level? The Bible is written at an eighth grade level. Oh, is it too hard? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just sit down and we'll just pick a book and we'll just read it together. And when you come across a passage that's too hard, we'll talk about it. I think we'll find, as uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton, what he said is really true. Christianity has not been tried and found lacking. It has been found difficult and left untried. I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that give me trouble. It's the parts that I understand and just don't want to (laughs) do. Yes. (laughs) Laughter. Laughter betrays us. 
today he's talking about wisdom. Wisdom. And I want you to think of a definition of wisdom as you hear these words. Who is wise? I'm reading from the third chapter, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him or her show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote unquote, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that comes from heaven, is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, how do we define wisdom? Somebody said, wisdom, no, it's, wisdom is the, the right application of knowledge. The right application of knowledge. And, and I, I, can, I can agree with that to a, to a certain extent. Uh, it's knowledge to know that a tomato is a fruit. It's wisdom not to add it to the fruit salad. Wisdom, the right application of knowledge. But I think it even goes beyond that because it depends. There, there is a wisdom that comes from below, and it is in operation today. Where, 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 where the rubber really meets the road is in, in, in your motivation, and here's the thing, you will never, this side of eternity, know what my motivation is. Oh, you can have a guess, and you might be 80% right, but you are never going to fully understand my motives. You know how I know that? Because I don't understand my own motives. I have been, I have been impacted by every event in my life up to this point. Who I am, what I say, the choices that I've made are a sum total of all the experiences of my life. And let me tell you what, not all those experiences were good. They impact me. I'm a product of my family of origin, just like you are. There are people that spend thousands of dollars and hours and hours on couches of psychologists and psychiatrists to unpack and understand why they are the way they are. So if we can't really dig down and understand what our own motives are, how are we ever going to understand the motives of others? So what does that mean for us? It means that we're taking a midterm exam here, folks, 
And the challenge for us is, is, is to self-examine. Wisdom. There's two kinds. Had this argument just... Uh, the, uh, bagel boys. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Friday group. So Friday at 11 o'clock, we do a pre-sermon, pre-sermon Bible study online uh, uh, with anybody that wants to come. And then at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning, it's just a men's group. We used to eat bagels in the back, so they call them the bagel boys. And the Friday group said when we were finished, don't let the bagel boys get you off track. We had a great conversation. And I went, okay. The bagel boys just blew up. It's only supposed to be an hour. It went for almost an hour and a half. Uh, Talking about judgment. Good judgment. Now there's a a good word we can toss around. Good judgment. I mean, good is a modifier of judgment. It depends on what your motive is. If your motive is self-seeking... If it is selfish ambition, if you're driven by things like bitter anger and and revenge, then you could have keen insight and make judgments based on the information that you have and then use that to exploit others for your own benefit. And as far as you are concerned, that's good judgment. So wisdom, we got to know where it comes from. Because the wisdom that is from below is disastrous. And that's what James is telling us here. Show by the life you live and deeds done in humility what the source of your wisdom is. He talks about the life that we live. Oh, so what I, what I believe has to impact how I live my life and what I do. Oh, yes, James says, do not be merely hearers of the word and deceive yourself, but also doers of the word. You take what you hear and you apply it in your life. Jesus asked the question of the masses who were following him. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a, a, a telling uh, uh, a telling statement by Jesus. He says, uh, and this is Matthew chapter 7, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock and the rain came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had as its foundation a rock. The decisions that we make in life are built on a foundation. The question is, what foundation are we building upon? And if we are building upon a foundation any other than Jesus who is our rock, then we're building on shaky foundation. Shaky foundation. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show it by the good deeds. Uh, Show it uh, by a good life. Deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But, 
If you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition, and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny it. Such, uh, do not deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice." You can only answer that question yourself. I can't answer it for you. But you know, I know. I know when I have envy in my heart. I know when I'm driven by selfish ambition. I know. You can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time and you can never fool God. And don't ever, ever fool yourself. Never fool yourself. We know. That, 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 that bitter envy that seeks to annihilate an enemy rather than persuade a friend. That, that selfish ambition that seeks to promote my own issues over and against the issues of others. In Philippians, Paul writes about it beautifully. In 2 Philippians, he writes this. He says, actually, I got to read. How are we doing on time? Oh, I got eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's going to wrap this up in eight minutes. No, I'm not. Um, <clears throat> but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll, this is good. We need to, we need to, we, we need to have, have this conversation. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship uh, with the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being in one spirit, one pur purpose. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look after not only your own interests, so he's not telling you not to look after your own interests, but don't merely look after your own interests, but also the interests of, of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. That's where we are. That's where we want to be. Wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peace-loving, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. In as far as it is possible with you, be at peace with others. In as far as it is within your power, be at peace with others. What is he talking about here? First and foremost is the peace that we have with God. The peace that we have with God because we are reconciled, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because we have pronounced uh, uh, righteous in God's court of appeal because Jesus has done it all. That's, that's, that's the given part. 
Peace with God allows us to be at peace within ourselves. If you don't have peace with God, you're going to wrestle in, in, within yourself. And that's where you're going to find the, the little uh, uh, you know, uh, roots of bitterness and, and selfish ambition and, and, and conceit and arrogance and all those ugly things that rear its head up when you are trusting in wisdom that comes from below. Peace-loving, considerate. They have a hard time even translating that word into English. We say it's considerate, and we think, oh, I know what considerate means. Considerate means being considerate. But it's so much more than that. Aristotle, Aristotle, I don't quote Aristotle very often. Where's Ed? <laughs> the, my friend Ed McVaney loved Aristotle. Aristotle, when he, he looked at that Greek word, he says uh, it, it's, not, it's not just mere uh, uh, consideration. It's knowing it, it's knowing when not to apply the law. So we're told not to lie. But of course, if somebody's uh, banging on your door uh, in, uh, uh, in 20th century Germany and asking you if you're, if you're hiding Jews, you say, no, I'm not. You're going to violate the Ten Commandments? That, that's consideration, to know when not to apply the letter of the law. It is the justice of justices. That's, that's, what, that's what James is trying to get across here. Submissive. There's a word we love. Hey, I want to be submissive. You know, when I counsel couples getting married, the, I can't tell you how many wives have said, don't be reading that submissive stuff here. That's not what our relation is built on. I said, well, you know, if you read the text in context, you really ought to rejoice in it because it starts off by saying that we need to be mutually submissive to one another. Mutually submissive. And actually, I think that in that description where the wives are told to be obedient or submissive to their husbands, the husbands are told to be perfect. Who has the easier task? And let me ask you, women, if your husband was perfect. <laughs> See, it's all context. It all depends on the context. Submitting to Christ. Surrendering to Christ. Allowing God to come in. As you do that self-assessment, what's going on in my heart? Is there anger? Is there bitterness? Is there deceit? Paul writes about it beautifully in uh, his letter to Corinthians when he talks about love, being patient and kind. But then we go on to all these negative things. Love is not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It hopes all things, bears all things, believes all things. Love never fails. That's what, that's what he's talking about. That's wisdom that comes from above. Full of mercy and good fruit. We could spend time talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but i got two minutes left. But you know that. You know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those are the things that you're looking for in your heart that nobody else is going to see. Because we can all put the mask on. We can all, prepare, we can all pretend. It's, it's, it's like, the, it's like the whole, it's that whole duck analogy. You see a duck on top of the water. They're cool. And below the water, man, they're paddling like crazy. And that's us. 
That's us. Because you know what? You never let them see a sweat. You got to look like you have it all together all the time while beneath the surface you're paddling like crazy. People, it is self assessment time. This is your homework. What's going on in your heart? What is the source of your wisdom? Only you can answer that. But he reminds us that peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. God has brought us into this world to be brokers of reconciliation, to be people who bring hope, forgiveness, and mercy into people's lives. God has brought us in that we might live into his kingdom day by day with the joy of the Lord. Are we joyful in our faith? We are joyful in our faith if we are seeking that wisdom that comes from above. But if you're struggling to find that joy in your life, then take a deeper dive and ask yourself, what's going on in my soul? And I'll conclude with the same question that I began with. Is it well with your soul today? Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. You can do that. You can clap. We're, we're not the frozen chosen. <laughs> the spirit is present. Amen. Okay, so here's the final question. Do you want to be a wise person or a wise guy? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Sorry. The answer to which one you are rests in the source of your wisdom. Is it earthly or is it from above? My charge to all of us is to take that deep dive and do that personal assessment. If there's bitterness, root it out. If there's envy, cast it aside. If there's selfish ambition or vain conceit, reject it. And humbly come before the Lord and say, Lord, reign in me. Guide and lead me. Give me wisdom that transcends the knowledge of our time that I might fully and completely live into your kingdom. We gather to worship, we go forth to serve and to live into God's kingdom. And as we do so, we bless each other with the blessing of Aaron. If you know it, turn to somebody and bless them with it. If you don't know it, you can read it on the screen and bless me and I'll bless you back. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Look at that. Only four minutes after 10. <laughs>